1 Samuel chapter 26 will continue uh, tonight, our study here in and through uh, 1 Samuel. Just, just uh, take a half a step back, Mike, as we do, and kind of set the context. Uh, two chapters back, if math serves correctly, chapter 24, uh, we saw this episode of David and Saul at En Gedi, this cave, uh, where David encountered Saul and, and cut off the uh, the hem of his, his skirt or his, his garment. And Marilyn, we, we observe that that seemed to be a message from David that he could have killed Saul if he chose to. And some would argue that maybe he would have been justified in doing that. After all, Saul has tried many times to kill David, uh, and Saul is continuing to try to, to get David. Uh, and yet David exercised this wonderful grace. He he, he trimmed off the, the hem of his garment to, to show him that he could have, uh, Mike no doubt could have killed him if he chose to, uh, but instead he exercised grace towards Saul uh, and also um, consistent with the theme that we've seen here the past couple of weeks, he's, what is he doing? He, he's leaving it up to the Lord to protect and to carry out uh, whatever uh, retribution or, or justice uh, should be ultimately carried out. And we're going to see something very similar to that tonight. Uh, Zach, Saul is out to get David still. Now, you may remember that back in 24, chapter 24, that is, uh, Saul and David came to an agreement, right? They, 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 Saul made an agreement that uh, he was going to stop pursuing David and allow him to live. But well, David doubted that. And you know the account. Uh, Saul if he meant it in that moment, uh, he doesn't mean it by the time we get to chapter 26. And Brother Garcia, I think you and I talked about that a little bit, questioning whether he meant it in the moment. Maybe he did, but uh, it doesn't seem to be a carefully considered decision. It seems to have, if that was a, a true decision, a sincere one, it kind of wore off. Uh, and we find uh, Saul chasing after David again tonight. Now, Marilyn, we're going to see David having yet another opportunity to kill Saul tonight if he chooses to, and um, another opportunity to decide, hey, uh, am, am I going to get that guy who's been out to get me? Remember, this is the guy that's thrown javelins at him and, and tried all different ways to kill him. It seems like he would be justified, uh, perhaps, in, in killing Saul, but once again tonight, you're going to see him say, no, I understand that that is not what the Lord wants me to do. The Lord's going to give him an opportunity to kill him if he chooses to, but David's going to say, no, I understand God would prefer that I obey him uh, and, and let God take care of any matters that need to be taken care of in the end. So tonight we see this wonderful example of David's continued obedience and grace uh, in the face of Saul's continued wickedness. It's, it's, a, it's a very clear contrast. And uh, one of the things I, I appreciate, Mike, I don't think it's quite the right way to say it. I, I almost said one of the things I appreciate about wickedness. I don't, I don't want to say that I appreciate anything about wickedness, but if I was going to, it would be that wickedness provides a great backdrop for obedience and righteousness to be seen very clearly. And that's true in the world today, right? Marilyn, we look out, out there today, we see all this wickedness, and we understand it, it offends God, it displeases him, and upsets us as well. But 
uh, it also enables uh, your righteousness to be seen more clearly in, in a wicked world. And, and praise God for that. That brings glory and honor to the Lord. And no doubt he, he is grateful. He, he uh, appreciates that. Let's open up in prayer. We'll jump in here tonight. First uh, Samuel 26 uh, tonight. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, today for the privilege to be back here in your house. Lord, I'm grateful. Thank you, Father, for bringing the Garcias back safely. Uh, I believe they had a good trip, and, and thank you for that. Thank you for uh, each one who's been able to come out tonight. Lord, I know once again tonight there's, there's others who would like to be here, Art and Gary and uh, others. Lord, we pray that you will uh, give them the ability to be back soon. We thank you, Lord, that uh, Carolyn is able to be here tonight. We're grateful for her, and thank you, Father, for having your hand upon her. We're grateful. We're grateful. Lord, I pray uh, tonight that you'll work here as we look at this chapter, your words. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Uh, ask that you work here now. Help me uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel 26 now, uh, verse 1. David is betrayed here uh, by these people called the Ziphites. Uh, he's been betrayed, uh, Mike, like this before, where people get uh, knowledge of where David is or where they think he is. And probably because they fear Saul. They, they try to get word to Saul to tell him uh, where David is. By the way, the fear of men or fear of man is never a good thing. Uh, that, that's never a good thing. We, we do much better to just say, you know, I'm going to fear God uh, and not men. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just focus on, Lord, what pleases you and what would you have me to do? Uh, when we allow a fear of man to exceed the fear of God in our hearts, uh, we get pulled away from obedience fairly uh, easily, or relatively easily at least. So, uh, Lord, help us to keep that in mind. Verse 1, the Ziphites came unto Saul uh, to Gebeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hakilah, uh, which is before Jeshimon? This was this be down south, you recall, we've seen this area before. Uh, Maryland in the wilderness or the desert down south in Judah. Uh, to the west of the Dead Sea. Remember the Sea of Galilee is up in the north and the Jordan runs due south, pretty much in the eastern half of, of the land. And the Dead Sea would be down there in the south. And if you're looking at the map, this would be just to the left of that or, or just to the west of that. Uh, that's, this is where they are. Uh, and so Saul gets word of where David is and he would have a decision to make at this point, right, Zach? He's uh, he's made an agreement with David not to come after him again. David has proven himself to be uh, righteous towards Saul, and the, the events back at En Gedi prove that, and on, on the heels of that, Saul was inclined to make an agreement with David. He's got a decision to make now, just like we do all the time. Mike, am I going to be righteous and, and obey the Lord and uh, live according to his word, or am I going to do what seems right to me in the moment? We, we face that decision all the time, whether we quite form that thought so completely in our minds or not. Uh, that's, a, that's a constant decision that we make day in and day out. And uh, Saul had a choice here. He chose to break his uh, vow to David uh, and to go down after him. Verse 2, then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, down there in the, in the desert in the south, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him. That's a pretty good-sized army to go after one man, amen. Uh, he's pretty clearly set on uh, actually capturing David uh, to seek David in the wilderness um, of Ziph. Now, David, 
uh, he gets wind of this. Uh, verse, verse 3 and 4 says David saw this somehow or found it out. And so he sends out some spies to kind of figure out uh, Saul's movements. And you know, it's hard to move 3,000 men down in that part of the, the land without being seen. Uh, and so the, the spies that, that David sends out, they, they were able to kind of get a handle on the situation quickly. See verse 3, Saul pitched in the hill of Hakilah. That's where they set up camp, which is before Jeshimon, by the way. Uh, but David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him uh, into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies uh, and understood that Saul was come in very deed. He's, yeah, he's actually coming. <laughs> he, he heard something, maybe he saw something, but the spies say, yeah, I mean, he's here. Uh, he's here, and, and sure enough. Now, David decides that he's going to travel uh, up close. He's, he's going to sneak up close uh, to Saul's uh, camp, and he's got some men uh, with him, and, and he asks who would go with him. Verse 5, David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, and David beheld the place where Saul lay. Evidently, Mike, it's nighttime, and uh, everyone is asleep there in the camp. Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of the host, and Saul uh, lay in the trench uh, here uh, in their, their camp, and the people, his soldiers, pitched round about him. Uh, evidently, the idea would be that they, they'd be protecting him. They'd be a barrier between him and any invaders. Well, he'd be concerned about David, right? Uh, he'd be concerned about anyone. So he's, uh, they, they've set up camp in a way that would protect Saul. Do note that, please. Um, Saul, um, Saul and Abner, who evidently is like his bodyguard, uh, they're, they're in a relatively safe place here. Uh, and the people or the soldiers, his troops are pitched round about him. It'd be pretty hard for anyone to sneak in uh, to get to Saul. Uh, and so if someone accomplished that, Mike, it's pretty clear there'd be something supernatural about that. Lord would certainly be in that or behind that somehow. We're going to see that the Bible says that is exactly what happens here. Verse 6 says, Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and uh, Abishai, the son of uh, Zeruiah, uh, brother to Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go with thee. Uh, and so David and this gentleman came to the people, the troops, uh, Saul's troops, by night. It's the middle of the night, evidently. And behold, Saul lay what? What's the word there? What is it? Sleeping. He's asleep. Somehow they've, they've been able to sneak into camp and, and, and get up close to Saul. Uh, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. Uh, but Abner and the people lay round about him. So they can see him. And they can see he's got his spear, Zach, probably the one that he, he hopes to be able to, to spear David with, right? And he can see Dave, David and, and um, his uh, partner here, uh, Abishai, they, they are able to get in and, and see, see the scene here. Now, Abishai, uh, or Abishai, he says to David, hey, um, the Lord has allowed us to sneak in here. Uh, and get close enough to Saul to do what? To kill him. Uh, and he says, why don't we do that? I mean, it looks like God's allowing us the opportunity uh, to kill him. And so, you know, let me do that. You do that, let me do that. Well, let's kill him while we have the opportunity to do that. Would that have been right? Uh, would that have been right according to all that God has revealed to David? And 
no. And would it be right according to the vow that David and Saul have made to each other? No, it would not. Uh, and yet, Brother Ray Metric, they, they have the opportunity uh, to kill Saul if they choose to, if they chose to. I made a post online today, and I, and I wrote something, Marilyn, I wrote something like, the opportunity to sin uh, does not convey permission to sin. We have opportunity to sin all the time. And I don't know if you ever found yourself um, quite forming this thought, but sometimes there's a temptation to think something like, well, if God will allow this, must be it's okay. <laughs> if, if the Lord will allow a situation where I could sin, Maybe, maybe this little sin w would be okay. Uh, David knows that it's not God's will that he would kill Saul. He knows that. He's going to say that. But right here, it's the middle of the night, and they've been able to sneak up on him. And, and Mike, there's an opportunity uh, to kill Saul, the one who's been persistently unjust and wicked toward David. And, you, you know, someone will argue, oh, this is just the opportunity to carry out justice, David. Uh, but he knows that God does not desire that. And so he says, no, no, we're not going to do that. Verse 9, David refuses. He says to uh, Abishai, destroy him not. Don't, don't kill him. Uh, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed? He says, you know, this, this guy, this guy who's been so terrible uh, to me, he's still the one anointed of God uh, to serve as king at this time. And we know the Lord's going to end his rule because of his sin, but that, that has not yet happened. Uh, and so David says, listen, this, this guy who's been so much trouble for us, he's still the Lord's anointed king uh, for this moment. He says, we can't kill him and stand guiltless before the Lord. That's what he says. Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed uh, and be guiltless? Uh, if, if you willfully sin against the Lord, you cannot stand before him guiltless, amen? Uh, you're guilty. Uh, sin is sin is sin, regardless of the circumstances, uh, re regardless of the opportunity, re regardless of anything, sin is sin. And David understands this. Uh, he understands this, and, and praise God, uh, we have here tonight this wonderful um, example, Mike, of a man who has an opportunity to do what seems right, um, but who does not do that because he knows what seems right would actually be wrong in God's eyes and offensive to the Lord. Well, praise God. Uh, imagine the strength it must have taken. Just stop and think about that for a second. Uh, think back about all that Saul has put David through. Uh, just stop and think about that. Think about how um, that must have affected David. I mean, he's been on the run for a time now. And, uh, he's still hiding out down south in the wilderness, in the desert. Uh, he's been up at Megiddo, and now he seems to be kind of more out, further out, uh, even further out in the wilderness. Maryland, this could not have been an easy thing. Uh, we saw the, the episode in the last chapter, and that wasn't an easy thing either, uh, although in the end there were some blessings. Uh, this has been a really hard time for David, uh, and Saul is the guy who's been behind it all. Uh, having an opportunity to kill him and not taking that opportunity when no one else but the Lord is watching, uh, that would be very hard, and it would take real strength. Brother Ray, um, is the Lord available to us to give us the kind of strength 
that David exercised in not seizing the opportunity to slay Saul. He could have picked up Saul's own spear and gored him to death in his sleep, or he could have woken him up and said, hey, I want you to experience this, and uh, slayed him with his own spear. I mean, he could have done anything, but he didn't. And uh, it's because he understood this to be wrong in God's eyes. Uh, Mike, I'm thankful tonight that the same God that enabled David in that situation uh, indwells us and enables us, gives us the strength that we need to obey him uh, when it's hard, when it would otherwise feel uh, impossible. Please remember tonight that when it feels impossible to be obedient, that feelings lie, but the Lord never does, right? He never does. Feelings lie, but the Lord never does. And uh, even if our feelings were honest about how strong they are, the Lord's stronger, amen? Uh, when feelings feel so powerful that you can't resist uh, being dragged down the road by your feelings, remember, please, the Lord is infinitely stronger than whatever strength our feelings seem to have. Uh, I say amen, <laughs> praise God. That's a good thing. That, that's a good truth to bear in mind when your feelings are bearing you down a, a road that uh, we should not be on. Well, look here, please, in verse 10. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. He said, I'm going to smite him. He says, as the Lord liveth, the Lord will smite him, uh, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle uh, and perish. David said, I'm not going to do wrong before God. God will take care of him. God, God will do uh, what needs to be done. And David would have been aware of verses, some that we saw last week or the week before, and uh, verses like Deuteronomy 32:35. Deuteronomy 32:35. Lord says to me, belongeth vengeance and recompense, and their foot shall slide in due time for the delay of the day, forgive me, the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them uh, make haste. God is a God who carries out vengeance uh, when, that is, when that is needful in his eyes. And Marilyn, we are just called to put things in God's hands. He's always going to do right. Um, and he does. Uh, Saul will not be permitted to carry on in wickedness forever. You know that. <laughs> you, you know his end. Well, there's another, uh, as I mentioned in the opening tonight, um, there's another little uh, part of the um, story here. Um, the account, like at the cave at En Gedi, where, where, Saul made, or where David made a little alteration to Saul's garment. Uh, there's something like that here in verse 11. Lord, David says, Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. So again, he reiterates, he understands that would be wrong. He says, but I pray thee, but take now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and, and let us go. David says, listen, uh, we want him to know that somebody was here. We want, and ultimately, very quickly, David's going to make it clear that it was he uh, who was there. He, David creates a situation by taking the spear temporarily. He's, he's going to return it. He's not stealing it with the intention of not giving it back. But he wants, he wants there to be uh, a visible uh, way for Saul to know that David was close enough to him to take his spear, Marilyn. He was close enough to him to kill him uh, if he chose to. 
All right, so this is, this is the idea. But uh, he, obviously he's choosing not to and, and choosing to exercise grace. Verse 12, again, David took the spear, the cruise of water from Saul's bolster, and they get them away. No man saw it. No man saw it, nor knew it, neither awaked. Um, those that were supposed to be protecting Saul, neither, none of them woke up, Mike. Uh, they were all asleep. Uh, and see here, we said before, if, if that was going to happen, there would need to be some supernatural uh, activity here. This would have to be the Lord. And that's exactly what the end of verse 12 says. It says, because a deep sleep. What are the next three words, church? From the Lord. Uh, be, because a deep sleep from the Lord uh, was fallen upon them. So uh, the Lord uh, caused them, Maryland, to, Saul's troops, to just be asleep. Uh, and David was able to sneak up on them and, and take Saul's spear and the, and the cruise of water so that when they wake up, they, David will be able, David's going to wake them up pretty quickly. But they'll know again that uh, David was there and could have killed Saul, but chose to act uh, in obedience to God rather than to his own emotions uh, and to be gracious and to be gracious. So David and his assistant take the spear and the crews of the water, and they go up to a nearby hillside. They, they climb up there, and they start yelling out, Mike, to the men back in, in Saul's camp. They start yelling out and maybe taunting them a little bit. That, that might be the case. Uh, but they, they want them to know. They want to make sure people know uh, before they part that David was in that camp. They want that to be known. Um, verse 13, David, then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill far off and uh, a great space being between them. So far enough away that it's not going to be a, a real threat. Uh, and David cried, verse 14, to the people. He yelled. He yelled back to the camp uh, and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Answerest thou not, Abner? Uh, then Abner answered and said, Who art thou? That criest to the king, who, who are you out there? Uh, David, is, of course, wants to get Abner's attention because he's, he's, he, he's the one that let the spear get away, right? Uh, this, this, he's failed here. Uh, David desired that Abner, Saul's bodyguard, know exactly what has transpired. He wants people to know that he could have killed Saul but didn't. He's obeying God and, and exercising grace, and he wants that known. Verse 15, David said to Abner, Art, art now thou a valiant man? Art not thou a valiant man? He's yelling, Zach, so I have to yell too. Uh, and who is like to thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept the, thy lord the king? For there came one of the people in to destroy the king, uh, thy lord. Someone came in, hey, someone came into the camp and uh, could have killed the king. And you really blew it because your job was to protect the king. And I know he, he didn't get killed, but he, but he could have. Verse 16, he says, This thing is not good that thou hast done. As the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die, because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. Abner, you, you, you deserve to die, because you've not protected your master, Saul, uh, and his stuff. And his stuff. And now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water that was uh, at his bolster. It's up here with me, Abner. It's not down with you. Well, you were supposed to be guarding it. It's, it's up here with me. Now, verse 17 says this, Saul knew David's voice. Well, sure he did. Uh, Saul is David's father-in-law. Uh, David served as a faithful 
um, officer in Saul's army. Uh, Saul and David know each other very well. Uh, and so Saul, of course, would recognize his voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, uh, go back to verse 17. Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? All nice now, right? Uh, and David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. I want you to stop there and just consider that. Um, it seems to me that while David may have been taunting Abner a little bit, he's being very respectful to Saul. Do you see that? That's an extraordinary thing. This is a guy that's been trying to kill him and trying to kill him and trying to kill him, and no joke, right? Uh, this is a guy who he could have killed uh, just minutes earlier uh, and, you know, deserve that, certainly deserve that, but... Um, Faithful, obedient David, Mike finds the strength to be respectful toward Saul, uh, despite the fact Saul has been very disrespectful, to say the very least, toward David. Uh, David recognizes the authority that God has vested in anointing Saul to serve as king. Still, that's still the case. And so David, despite Saul's bad behavior, uh, chooses, and, and Rich, I think he must look to the Lord. You know, there's not, I don't think it's possible otherwise. He looked, no doubt he's looked to the Lord for strength to be respectful toward disrespectful Saul. It's extraordinary. It's, it's extraordinary. Um, he's, David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O King, Lord, Master, uh, Adonai, Zach, I believe would be the word there. Uh, 18, and he said, Wherefore doth my Lord thus pursue after his servant? <laughs> after his servant. Very humble. He says, For what have I done? Or what evil is in mine hand? Uh, Mr. King, sir, uh, I still don't understand what I've done that's causing you uh, to pursue after me. Well, uh, Saul, of course, feels threatened by David, and he understands that uh, he, the Lord will put him down, Saul down, and, and raise up David as king, and uh, he's threatened and offended. This harms his pride. Uh, we, we, know, we know the answer to this question. Uh, but David is asking the questions uh, to try to get Saul to consider his motive, no doubt. Uh, Rich, not unlike how the Lord sometimes asks questions to get people to consider their motives, their intention, their sin often, right? Uh, like when the Lord called out to Adam and Eve back in the garden, right? You know, where are you? <laughs> what have you done? He knew. He knew exactly where they were, what they had done. But he wanted them to consider why they were where they were and what they had done. He wanted them to consider that. Um, David respectfully asked Saul if the Lord was behind his desire to get David. David says, listen, Saul... If, uh, if the Lord has sent you after me, you know, let me know, because I like to get things right with the Lord. This is what he says, verse 19. He says, now therefore I pray thee, let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. Again, very humble, very respectful, uh, despite everything. Uh, let me say this. I, uh, clearly, <laughs> what I've said is, is implied this. Um, we, I'll ask good as a question. Uh, are we not called to demonstrate the same respect to leaders that God has set up, whether or not they act righteously. We are. We are. And boy, when we do that, 
people will see a difference and they'll wonder about that. Um, we are called to honor, uh, to be respectful, uh, to pray for, to withhold um, evil speech uh, against uh, our leaders with the understanding that Lord has set them up with the foreknowledge that often they'll be wicked. He has his purposes. He has his purposes. Um, and so David's example here in this context, uh, it is an example for us, Mike. It, it's an example for us living today, these hundreds of years later after the episodes of Saul, Saul and David. Uh, we have the benefit, Marilyn, of being indwelt by the Spirit of God to make this possible. Lord, help me to be respectful to authorities even when they're not good, <laughs> you know, even, even when they're unjust or acting wickedly. I don't have to agree with them. Uh, I can respectfully label their wicked behavior as sin, lest anyone think I agree with it. Uh, praise God, the Supreme Court's going to hear a, uh, a new abortion case. That might change some things. Keep, keep that in prayer. Um, I'll be respectful toward our leaders that have supported, uh, quote-unquote, abortion rights, but I certainly don't agree with that kind of wickedness, and we, we, don't, want, we don't want anyone to ever think that we do but we'll be, we'll be respectful and honor the authority that God vests in them um, as we should, though we don't agree. Um, David says in verse 19, Now therefore I pray thee, let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord hath stirred thee up against me, if he sent you uh, after me, let him accept an offering. Oh, tell me so that I can get this right with the Lord. I'll, I'll perform whatever offering or worship that God may desire in order to be right with him. Then he says, but, but if they be uh, the children of men, if men have stirred you up, and sent you after me. Cursed be they before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. Well, David, of course, didn't go looking to serve other gods, but uh, maybe, maybe some tried to provoke him by saying, look, uh, you, you've been driven out into the wilderness or uh, maybe, maybe into a Canaanite area or uh, area, area where other gods were worshiped. Maybe they taunted David with this. Look, look at you, David. Um, you know, the one that, the one that slayed Goliath, uh, the Philistine, now you're out here in, you know, areas where uh, you don't belong and where, where false worship occurs, and look at you taunting him, mocking him. That's probably the idea here. Well, here's more of David's humility before Saul in verse 1. He says, Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel is come out to seek what? Seek a what in verse 20? What does he say? For the king of Israel, Saul, is come out to seek me, David. And David calls himself a what? A flea. Tiny little thing, Marilyn. It's pretty humble. It's pretty humble. David knows that you know, he's next and he knows how God's going to use him. But despite that, he calls himself a flea before the king. King, uh, let not my blood fall the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea. I'm nothing. You're the king. I'm nobody. He's humbling himself uh, wisely, one might argue, uh, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. Um, hunting me like hunting a bird or a flea. Um, this doesn't make sense. And Saul is moved by that. He's, 
He's moved by David's grace, no doubt, and his humility, uh, and his argument that, hey, you're coming after this one guy with 3,000 men, it's, it's not right. It's, there's nothing right about it. It's, it's unjust. It's wrong. Um, and no doubt the Lord is showing this to Saul through David. And so he responds in verse 21, then said Saul, Saul says, I have sinned. He says this to David, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. You know what, David, you could have killed me, but graciously you did not. Uh, he says, behold, I played the fool and have erred exceedingly in coming after you. Now, this sounds a lot like what Saul said. It sounds a lot like his heart back in chapter 24 when, when David could have killed him there. And Mike, it's possible Saul means this here. In the moment, uh, he might be moved and, and, and see the error of his way uh, and mean this, this quite sincerely. And, of course, that would be a good thing. Uh, David responds in kind by offering to return Saul's spear. It wasn't his intention to steal it and keep it. Uh, verse 22, David answered and said, Behold the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and fetch it. Send someone over. I'll give it back. I didn't steal it to keep it. I stole it to make a point. Um, verse 23 says this, The Lord, here David um, is imploring the Lord to treat both Saul and himself um, as Lord sees fit. He says this way, he says, the Lord render, so David is still speaking to Saul. He says, the Lord render to every man, the Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. And what he says, listen, I, I, I could have, as we've said several times tonight, I, I could have got you, but, but I didn't. And, and he says, you know what, what? What I just want now is for God to render to us according to our righteousness uh, and our faithfulness. Um, in Psalm 5 and, and verse 12, the Bible says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. Uh, with favor wilt thou compass him as with shield. Exactly, we understand that, right? As we choose to walk in practical righteousness with, with God's help, he blesses us. We talked about that a bit on Sunday morning, right? Uh, as the Lord sent out the 12 to go, uh, he, one of the things he said toward the end there was the, the workman is worthy of his meat. He said, you're going to go and do the work I'm calling you to, and, and I will bless you with, with that reward, uh, that blessing that, that you need. Uh, we see a similar idea here. David understood that principle, Brother Mike, that God blesses uh, those who act righteously and act faithfully. And I think he, he, he was asking the Lord to bless him accordingly uh, and probably hoping also that Saul you know, would finally turn a page or, or come about and, and act righteously and, and faithfully and that God would bless him for that. Zach, is it ever too right for someone to get right with the Lord? Uh, it's, never, it's never too late as long as they haven't breathed their last breath, right? And so, you know, that, this, this kind of heart here, if that's what uh, Dave means, and I believe it is, that's a great heart. 
You know, this is a man, again, who's done so much wrong toward him, but Saul has acted as if he's repenting, uh, and, and David's heart is that God would bless him for that. Well, that's extraordinary. That's gracious. Lord, help us to have the same heart toward people who have wronged us. Help us to be gracious toward them before they've chosen, chosen to get right with us. And if they choose to get right, Lord, give us hearts to pray that you'd bless them for their faithfulness to you, their obedience to you. Um, it's, it's great heart. Marilyn, we know da the Lord knew David's heart, right? And that's why God's hand is on David the way it is. God knows his heart. It's not always been perfect, but in the end, his heart is, is for the Lord, and, and the Lord knows us. God, give us the same heart. Give us the same heart to desire your blessings in our life for righteousness that you enable, but to also see that in the lives of others that need to get right with you. God, give us hearts to pray for people and uh, to encourage them and to share the gospel if that's the issue. They're lost. And uh, Lord, to, to encourage them to be right with you and, and to live for you and to serve you and uh, and to bless you, even if they've been, especially if they've been bad to us in the past. God, give us hearts for people. Rich, I'm sure that uh, the devil is delighted, that Satan is delighted when um, the, the past wrongs that people have performed against us causes us not to pray for people or to share the gospel with them or to encourage them in righteousness after they've been saved. The devil be delighted by any of that. And, course the Lord would not be. God give us hearts for people uh, to be gracious toward them uh, as you have been gracious toward us and of course the Lord will answer that prayer and give us strength to be gracious. Uh, David implores Saul, uh, we're almost done here, last couple of verses, uh, to value his life as much as David has valued Saul's life. He spared Saul twice now. Verse 24 says, behold as thy life was much set by that's kind of an idiom. It has the idea of valued by. Behold, as thy life was much set by or valued this day in mine eyes, uh, David says, hey, I valued your life today, uh, so let my life be much set by or valued by in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, of course, he wants Saul to value his life, but he wants the Lord to value him even more, and, and that's a great heart. David implores and prays for the Lord to continue delivering him from difficulties. He says, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Zach, if, if Saul, forgive me, if David is praying here that the Lord would continue to value him um, and, and continue to bring him out of tribulations, doesn't that imply that David recognizes the Lord has, has valued him and that the Lord is the one who brought him out of this particular trial? Saul came with 3,000 men. Um, but the Lord has supernaturally worked and protected him uh, and brought Saul around, really 180 degrees, right? And so uh, it's certainly implied here David understands that God accomplished this and, Mike, that, that God is to receive the glory and the honor for this. Yes, David has done right, but God enabled it, and um, he gets the credit. He gets the credit. Uh, God has delivered him, and, and he's, it's at least implied that he, he looks to the Lord to continue uh, to deliver him. Uh, later on in, in the situation with Absalom, David's son, uh, in Psalm 3 and verse 8, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 3 and verse 8, David says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. 
thy blessing is upon the people. He said, <laughs> David had learned and, and been reminded and reminded that it's the Lord that gets us out of trouble. Amen? It's the Lord that gets us out of trouble. So uh, Saul blesses David, amazingly, and they both depart. Verse 25, then said Saul to, to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Hopefully he means this. Thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. It's, um, it's not a dramatic ending, but certainly uh, there are dramatic supernatural events and righteous choices by David that got to an ending that was not nearly as dramatic as it could have been if the Lord had not intervened and, and David had not chosen to do right. Uh, praise God, Marilyn, the Lord does intervene and he enables us to do right, uh, even to be gracious toward those who have wronged us greatly. God give us that heart to just put difficulties in your hands and to trust you to do what needs to be done. And that's, that's what we see again tonight. Um, Lord, thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for David's example. Lord, looking to you for what is right and, and strength to do what is right, even in the face of, of great difficulty and what must have been a great emotional trial as well as a physical one. Lord, I thank you tonight that uh, in the face of great emotional trials uh, or great physical trials or trials that are both and more, you're there for us. You've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Father, help us look to you for grace and strength to choose to do right, not be led by our emotions, to not be led by a, a desire to balance the scales ourselves, but Lord, to entrust uh, each of these matters into your hands. Lord, give us a heart as David had to desire to see Saul do right for you and that you'd bless him for it. Lord, that's a extraordinarily gracious heart that we see in David. And uh, I think tonight it's, it's probably convicting, Lord, for many of us. It's convicting for me. And so tonight I, I, I pray, Lord, that you, you help me, help each of us to have the same kind of grace in our hearts toward one another, uh, toward the lost, toward people saved or lost who have wronged us. Lord, give us hearts for them, to pray for them, to encourage them. Lord, I thank you tonight that we can count on you to answer a prayer like that. And Lord, I'll, I thank you for that. Thank you for that. Father, we love you. We, thank, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please.